Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. My name is Brent Pasqua, host and founder of RPA Wealth Management. We have a great show on deck. Guys, welcome back to the studio. Glad we're back in here recording. We're here with Matthew Theo, certified financial planner. Joshua Winterswike, certified financial planner. Guys, how's it feel to be back? It's, it's nice to be back, Brent. Glad we're in the studio today with the better sound quality. I know we got some complaints from our loyal listeners about sound quality, so it's, it's nice that we're getting the good stuff back. Absolutely. It feels like we're doing a podcast again, like yeah. uh, with the mics, and we're back in the studio, so yeah. excited. It's nice to be able to see you guys and actually talk instead of looking at you through the, the camera. Zoom fatigue. Yeah. So how's the golf game? We haven't talked about that in a while. Well, well, Brent, as you know, I have a, a young baby at home, so my golf game has been pretty non-existent since August. But, you know, I, I'm planning to get back on the course uh, maybe coming up in November. So how long did your golf career just last? <laughs> it lasted from May to August. <laughs> so you played for four months, and I'm sure you invested a lot of money into some new golf stuff. Well, here's the thing. My plan was always to kind of take it easier in the fall, winter, and then you know, start back up at really hardcore after the holiday season. I see. Just my golf group uh, just really got hit by the bug, and they're playing, you know, two, three times a week, actually. <laughs> That's yeah. not true. It's <laughs> once a week. But uh, you, um, we understand. I mean, you had your baby. We're holding your spot for you in the group. Um, and yes, we are still playing, you know, about once a week. We did get the bug pretty bad, but uh, it's going well. Everyone's getting better, and which is fun to watch. And... Uh, it makes it a lot more fun when you're getting a little bit better. I mean, maybe a little bit more frustrating because, you know, you're always striving to be better at golf. But um, been a lot of fun. It's been a, lot, a really nice getaway, like from, you know, quarantining and COVID and to be outside. And so I've just really, really enjoyed it. And uh, Matt, I'm looking forward to getting you back on that course when, uh, when you're ready. Yeah, I think he's going to be a little jealous with you guys making progress in your game, and then he's got to start it all right back up again. I know. It's going to feel nice, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's get into some of the hot take headlines. Apple just released the new iPhone. It's a 5G cellular, has their new A14 Bionic chip, which means that processing is actually a lot faster. Increased camera features, AR scanner for night mode. You know, is this worth going out and getting? They have they release a new phone every year. Is this the big one we've been waiting for? Maybe uh, for certain people. I mean, I, I haven't upgraded my phone in two years, so I'm definitely going to get one. I'm going to order the Max Pro Plus as soon as you're allowed to do that. That's the top of the line model with all the features you mentioned. I believe if you're getting a phone, you should just you know get all the bells and whistles. Um, the actual complex thing right now is how to buy the iPhone. They really changed up the process. I was looking at the website, and uh, it's a little different than it's been in the past. Mm. What's your thoughts, Josh? I was really excited for this year's iPhone to come out because, again, I haven't gotten a phone either in about two years. So I was really interested in the launch. And I think there is a lot of really cool features. Like you said, just the, the faster processing. They have um, you know, better camera. And one really cool thing that I also liked is they added you know, more features around wireless charging um, and kind of accessories to go with wireless charging so i really like that too so excited uh, i'm with you matt i think that you know going for the the top if i'm going to get new tech i want the newest and best tech um so i'll most likely be getting an iphone um, when these launch and that uh 12 pro what is it matt i'd call it the 12 max pro plus okay 12 max pro plus is a mouthful <laughs> but uh, i agree with them on getting you know the, the newest tech 
I, I guess my only question about that, though, is is 5G really what it's been the hyped about and around? Is that going to make it that much better? From what I've read, it sounds like it's going to be a bust. But, I mean, who knows? It's a new technology. It's the first time it's been in the iPhone, so I can't say for myself. I've never tried it. You probably have to be in a major city like L.A., New York, Boston, Seattle, San Francisco to experience 5G. Like It's probably not going to work out here in the suburbs. Mm. Uh, but I could be wrong. But I feel like even when the last like when 4g was launched and lt like all of the different you know upgrades to to cellular the same conversations were being had like is it going to work it's not everywhere yet you know you have to be in the big cities and then it ends up you know catching up so just excited to to see if it does work real quick can we go over the options to buy it yeah all right so they really changed the website on apple.com it's actually quite confusing so i believe there's four different options you can either buy it from your carrier and finance it that way that's probably my least desirable route you could pay cash for it right so you just buy the phone like you would anything else through the apple site yeah through the apple site they have a new option where you could finance it with apple card so you open an apple credit card and you could finance it that way or you could do the upgrade loan through citizens bank right Citizens was the, the way that they upgraded the last couple of years, right? They used Citizens loan. Yeah, but you have to click through a couple of times to get the Citizens. It seems like they're pushing you towards creating an Apple card and financing it that way. Mm. Yeah, and that's a hard run on your credit and a new card you have to have. So it's yeah. going to be a decision for sure. And, yeah. if, and if they have a launch date where you can't buy it to a certain date, I'm assuming you would have to get it approved before that time because they're like... You know, they're opening up for sales at a certain time, like 5 a.m. on November, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have to go in there and have that already done. I'm not sure. I'm sure that it, it clicks through on the phone pretty fast or else they wouldn't do it. But just the people listening, you know, be careful. You know, that option, like Josh was saying, um, probably citizens or paying outright for the phone is your best option. Makes sense. Uh, moving on. Rental prices are down 20% in San Francisco this year. It's the largest year-over-year drop the city has ever seen. Rents are down 24.2% compared to last September. What's going on in San Francisco? Is this across all major cities? What's your thoughts, Josh? Well, San Francisco, because of the COVID crisis, is experiencing, just like we are, you know, a work-from-home kind of atmosphere environment. So with the work-from-home orders in San Francisco, with the fires with everything that's going on you're seeing you know just like in LA too but people kind of getting out of the city if you know you work from Google and you're able to work somewhere else you know and it's cheaper why wouldn't you so they're seeing just a decrease in demand and rent driving the prices down because they need to still rent these properties in San Francisco so it's kind of it makes sense for now as people are still working from home um, but how long that'll last when the COVID crisis is over lock you know it's people have to go back to the office will they just skyrocket back up is probably my biggest question yeah josh hit the nail on the head people are migrating out of the cities um for me i'm very nervous for landlords right now no one's really talking about it but i mean i live in los angeles and most of the buildings i see that are next to my building have a lot of vacancies on top of my building where we have probably about about 40% of the apartments in my building are available. Um, the building next to us, the whole far side of the, the building is completely empty. So like four or five units on an eight-unit building. Wow. I'm very nervous for landlords going into 2021. Um, I think they're going to be in for a world of pain. 
Yeah, and from my understanding also, like people that live were living in the city want, especially in San Francisco, they wanted sort of that nature feel and they, were, they aren't getting that in the city. And if they have an option to go outside the city and live, because there's a lot of beautiful areas, obviously, near San Francisco, you can get more of that natural sense and in, in, in a better place to live, I guess. It does make sense that people are moving out of the cities. I would definitely be considering it if I lived there. I mean, just how high rents were yeah. in, in San Francisco. Right. With everything shut down the city, what does a city that shut down have to offer? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get into the retirement planning corner. Uh, we're getting so many questions about the election. So we really just wanted to spend some time and give you our opinion. I mean, these are questions that our clients are asking that we're talking about during reviews. This is an emotional election. We're already seeing record turnouts in the early polls. But we want to talk about how this might impact the market and just really what, what we're feeling as we kind of get into this very important time. The first thing that, that comes to mind when I think about this, though, is, you know, if Biden does win, will the stock market actually crash? What's your thoughts, Matt? I mean, maybe for a day or two, but long term, no. So, you know, we've looked at past data. We did a show on this before. There's actually never been a Democrat president with negative stock returns. Democrats are great for stocks. It's just this recent new thing where Fox News, CNN, MSNBC try and, you know, politicize elections and make it about the stock market where they, they try and create fear like, oh, this president's going to be bad for your portfolio or, you know, this president's going to be bad for your bond portfolio, whatever. Um, no, it's not, it's not going to crash. Yeah. And I think one of the things that an area that we're coming from is, that this we're not coming from a political sense like we don't we don't have a political agenda here or opinion about who should be the next president we're talking about from just strictly like a market standpoint of what we think you know potentially and what historically was ha- has happened in the market what are your thoughts do you think Josh that the market would decline um i'm with matt i mean short term there's going to be volatility no matter even if there wasn't an election i mean there's so many variables that affect the market this is just one variable um, that affects the market. So, you know, again, short term, yes. But, you know, to say, you know, even to look at the data, like Matt said, we haven't seen a Republican that had negative returns or a Democrat that had negative returns. It's only been two Republicans, too. So the data doesn't really even suggest that you know, over a election term that we're going to see negative returns from Biden or Trump or it's just not there. So I think that this is just one one variable and making sure that, you know, you do have a plan. I know we always lean on that, but your investment plan shouldn't be built around short-term variables. What are some of the positives, Matt, if Biden wins? Um, I'll just go back to the past data, and I'll just say that Democrats have been extremely friendly to the stock market. Um, President Obama, during his reign, everyone thinks Obama was like an awful president for business, but plus 181%. If you just invested in the S&P 500 from the day Obama was elected to the day he left office. President Clinton, plus 209% from the day he was elected to the day he left office. And then going back to the, to the late 70s, I know a lot of people didn't like him as a president, but in his short term, Jimmy Carter had 30% returns. Those are the last three Democrat presidents. So they have been good for the stock market. Now, I guess you could make the argument that Obama's returns were so good because he inherited a situation that was so bad. The only place to go was up in that period. Well, that's not what people are saying at the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we look at market returns during election years, the market has only been down in an election year four times. 
2008. So basically the Great Depression, World War II, the dot-com crash, and the housing crisis. Four times since 1928, the market has been down election year. Just It makes you kind of have a sense of, are, are most people just overreacting that in election year, they think the market's just going to crash? Yeah, I got this quote from Matt, but both parties' strategy is to forecast the end of the world if the other party wins. I think it like kind of summarizes it well, right? Because we're reading off the data. We're showing these really great rates of return, but then the media and the opposite parties are saying that it's doom and gloom and the market's going to crash. Yeah, I guess my final question regarding this kind of part of it is, you know, if somebody is concerned about Biden winning the election, should they get out of the market? No short answer, but can I go back and hit on your recession one? Yes. So what I would say to people is if the market is going to go down this year and end it next year, it's not going to be because of who wins the presidential election. The stock market won't care. It's going to be because we are in a recession because of the coronavirus, and there's going to be lingering effects like I was mentioning about landlords and uh, large businesses might start doing layoffs. But what was your second question? If, Biden, right? Yeah. Um, if Biden wins? Yep. Should, they, should people get out of the market if, if they are fearing that Biden's going to win? No. I mean, like Josh said, have a plan. I mean, your, your, strat, your plan can't be, I'm going to sell my stocks if Biden wins. That's an awful plan. Right. But, and so every four years, then, you know, when there's an election year, we're always going to sell our stocks. And then again, when you get back in, I know we always talk about that, but we're just keeping it simple with election years. So if your plan is to sell every election year, the data suggests that you're going to miss out on a lot of rates of return. Because the data shows that in election years and years after, the market's positive. Yeah, so. and, and this is such an emotional election. I, I feel like probably f- for the next many elections, it's probably going to be emotional, I, I think, based on just what we're dealing with. But uh, it, it, it does feel a little extreme this time. It does. So let's talk about if Trump wins. If Trump does win, should people react differently if Trump wins on how they approach the market? No. I mean... Steady as she, go, as she goes. I mean, Trump's been a, a good president, very business friendly, great tax laws, been good for the stock market. I know some people don't agree with some of his other policies, but I mean, who, who wouldn't want to pay less taxes? I mean, are there really people out there saying, hey, I want to pay more taxes? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the questions we're also getting is, you know, get out of the market if Trump wins and I want to jump back in the market and get, get right back in. I mean, should, if Trump wins, is that a, a reason to get cash ready and dump it in the market? Again, it just goes back to, to having a set plan. I mean, if your plan was to get money in the market or you have that money to invest, you want to be an investor and that money's you know, tagged for the long term, then you know, why, why should it matter which president right. if your strategy is to be investing for your future or for the long term? And a lot of times, I mean, like what we see when we look you know, in the past, we also see you know, that the market's priced in a lot of these changes already. Market's so forward-looking, and I'm not saying that it, it completely priced in who's president yet, but, you know, some of these changes that are present themselves depending on which president is going to get elected could already be reflected in the stock prices. Right. So, and, and I could sit here and probably make an argument that if Trump wins, the administration has struggled to really contain the virus to this point, and if the virus does have this much impact on business, and the administration has to this point not done that well to contain it, that the market could be in, in a vulnerable position if Trump does win, just the same as you can make an argument about Biden winning. Yeah, ex- exactly. But you're going to the, the point more of the, the virus is going to cause the recession, it's going to cause the stock market to drop, not really who the president is. 
Yeah, except for the, just the difference is, is that, you know, possibly under a new administration, they can contain the virus slightly better. Okay, so let's get into the next one. I don't want my taxes to increase. How much tax will I pay if Biden wins? There's been some proposals already about what some of the taxable changes would be under the new if Biden were to win. You would see possibly a, a rate increase from what Trump's top tax rate of 37% would be to 39 you see possibly the corporate um, alternative minimum tax would increase the corporate tax rate. Individuals with $400,000, um, they would potentially have pay, paying a higher tax rate. Also, capital gains tax would be higher. You'd see some uh, potentially uh, state tax thresholds would then lower. You're seeing a lot of proposals here. Do we think that that really would have a major impact on the market? I mean, it could in the short term, um, but again, not in the long term. The one thing that's interesting about Biden's tax program is it's really just for individuals who are high earners. And high earners meaning over 400000 To be impacted by his tax policy, you probably really need to be making close to four fifty or more. So if you and your wife or your significant other are making more than you know 450000 then yeah, you might see a slight tick up in your taxes. You know, but it's marginal. We're talking two to three percent. It's not into the world. I guess the biggest question that I, that I have is, with the economy being in such a vulnerable position, how could he really make these changes to the tax rules that quickly? Can this really happen next year? No. I mean, unless it, there's a complete blue wave and they want to kill the economy, but Again, these politicians are all talk before the election, right? They're all McDonald's presidents. I'm going to get free this, free that. And then it comes and they realize they're only in office for four years and they have to get reelected. So they kind of have to do what politicians have done before. Now, do you think, Josh, that if he does raise the capital gains tax, that will force people to sell if he's elected at the end of this year? to kind of fire sell the market, to sell their stock positions that may have large gains at a potentially lower capital gains tax rate versus, you know, people just holding off? I think it will promote people to, to panic sell. Like, is that, recommendation, is that our recommendation or my recommendation? No. I mean, we have to analyze to see if, even first, if he does get elected and again, dig deeper into that proposal. But again, you know, making decisions for even a short or four-year time period just isn't typically the right way to take it. I mean, we want to be, you know, really analyzing these decisions on selling stocks or realizing capital gains, but it's definitely something when tax rates change to look at your capital gains and when you should be selling. I mean, that's, that's smart to do. Um, and I do think that it will promote people to do that, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do. I think what my advice to clients would be would, be something that you've already said, uh, I think both of you already said, is, is to have a plan. You know, once the election does happen, you're going to know a little bit more, and then you can make some changes to your plan if, if it's necessary. But don't be overreactive heading into it. I think that just leads to bigger mistakes. And practice what we already, you know, do and can control, which is like a tax loss harvesting strategy. I mean, if you're ready every year tax loss harvesting your capital gains and your investments, let's do it again this year, right? Like that's our strategy. Let's stick to it. We've, it's proven to help reduce taxes and, and increase returns. So I think just sticking to that plan and, and looking at it, not so much from a one variable stance or a short-term stance, but looking at that long-term plan for you and your family. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, right now is a good time to potentially be looking at rebalancing. I think mm-hmm. if you're doing anything, you know, rebalancing may be the thing that you're discussing with your advisor or having a conversation with yourself on. But to get out and get in, I don't think that that's going to make sense. Matt, if if Trump does stay in, is, do you think there's going to be changes to his, what he's changed with the tax code? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I know he, he's floated some ideas about friendly capital gains laws, um, which actually would be really cool. His idea makes a lot of sense. A lot of Trump's policies makes, make a lot of sense. His delivery isn't that great of these said policies. But all right, so you buy a stock, right? And, and your basis is, you know, 100 bucks, and you bought it in 1992. Since there, then, there's been a lot of inflation, right? That stock now might be worth $500. Well, if you bought it for 100 and it's worth 500 you owe $400 in capital gains tax, the difference between your basis and the cost you sell it at. Okay. Trump floated a plan that he would inflation adjust your basis. That's a tremendous idea. That would help a, you know, a lot of families save a lot of money on, on you know, their capital gains tax. So maybe something like that, but no, I don't see him changing his tax laws. I know they go away, I think, in 2025, but uh, the Republicans will most likely push to get that extended. One of the other big questions, uh, you know, we're starting to get from clients and we have for some time is, you know, if Biden does win, how does this change my retirement outlook? Josh, does this make or have any changes to someone's retirement potential? I, again, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that the change of, of president should be adjusting your plan that drastically. I think, you know, making sure that you are rebalancing or updating your plan to kind of focus on those things you can control that do change. But I I don't think that that a a change in president, especially this one variable, should be taking you completely off track of your long-term goals. Um, So I guess if you're listening to the show and you're interested enough to know that potentially the election could impact you in some capacity. I think, you know, obviously you should probably be working with an advisor, spend a lot of time within your own financial plan, you know, getting a lot of those details because it obviously is a a changing time, but that doesn't mean it has to change what you have going on, but you have to know what you're doing, I guess, within your financial plan. Would you agree, Matt? Yeah, if you have anxiety about an election that happens every four years, then really you're having that anxiety because you don't have a good plan. So reach out, get that help, uh, get that plan, and you know you, then you could be in control of your retirement instead of letting your retirement control you. Are you telling clients to buy, hold, sell, get money ready? What are you telling your clients? I'm telling my clients to do absolutely nothing, um, that if they have some spare cash and the market does drop after the election, that you know, we'll be investing that money in the market. Um, because historically, it's always been good to buy when stocks are dropping. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that, you know, and what I, I'm believing in this myself, but also relaying it as a recommendation is, you know, right now, a dollar cost averaging strategy is great, in my opinion. I mean, looking at if you do have that extra excess money laying around or on the sidelines that are in cash and you want to get it invested, but you're nervous about the election, let's just commit to getting it in over a certain time period right. and on a, you know, a strict frequency. So if it's, you know, the day after the election, we're going to put some money in. It's the, you know, a month later and the month after that. And just sticking to that, just like you do with your 401k plans when you contribute into them. I think that, you know, that is going to keep you disciplined to getting that money in and you're probably going to get some good stock prices purchases within there as well 
Yeah, your best strategy, in my opinion, is to dollar cost average, set up reoccurring deposits into an account, whether it's in your 401k, but additionally, even outside your 401k, if you can contribute to an IRA or an after-tax account, just have auto deposits going, even if it's $25 a month, a week, you know, it doesn't matter. Have those auto deposits in so it's auto invested, and then you're getting different share prices. So if the market does go down, if the election goes a certain way or not, then you're still buying stocks at different prices. I mean, you're not jumping in, jumping out, which we know is a proven way to fail. Right. Yep, definitely. Any final thoughts on, you know, this major topic as, you know, you've had these conversations with both your clients? Uh, Just don't panic. Your life won't change that much regardless of who the president was. People are panicking about Trump in 16, 17, and 18, and 19 were great. 20 has been a poor year. It's just really because of the coronavirus and the recession. Biden wins, you know. Life's going to go on. Don't get too wrapped up in it. Yeah. And I, I think that with Trump, we, we kind of know what that looks like, right? Him being president and, and what that would look like even after this pandemic. And I think that just to re- go back to what we've continued to talk about, having a plan and continuing to talk about, you know, what is concerning you and, and growing some knowledge in those areas, because I think that will help with reducing the fear through these election periods, and which is just one variable you know, ton of variables within your finances and in your life and within your retirement. So continue to analyzing them and, and be mindful of them and continue to learn. Yeah, I agree. You know, my recommendation would be to have a plan, talk to your advisor, rebalance if necessary, and really set up some auto deposits. So it kind of takes a little bit of the stress of getting in and getting out. You don't have to do that. Just keep buying on a regular basis. And, you know, the, the importance of having a plan and, and having some Somebody that you can emotionally bounce ideas off who's not as emotional about your own money as you are, I think that provides a lot of benefit. You know, from our standpoint, we see it a lot different than the client is. We're not as emotional about it because we've just studied it so much. We just, our, our mentality is a little bit different. So make sure you're working with your advisor to help you on these areas. So uh, let's get into the final part of the show. As I always say, it's you know one of my favorites. Last time... Uh, Matt, I remember you, you gave a, I think the RPA recommend for you was having a baby for people that, who are thinking about to have it. What's our <laughs> RPA recommend today? Yeah, hopefully you have about eight months left till you're, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I did buy something this past month. It started to get a little chilly um, out here in Southern California, you know, fall. So, you know, 70 degrees, 50s <laughs> in the morning. Anyone uh, listening on the East Coast is laughing at that. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so for the home office, I got some UGG slippers. Um, they're $80, bought them on the internet, arrived this weekend, and, and they're great. Really enjoying working in them this week. Nice. I, uh, I wanted to go back to a recommendation I think you gave a while ago, but finally logged into Apple TV and watched uh, Ted Lasso. So I finished that season. I'm, I'm big. I love soccer, and, and it's about a story about a American football coach goes to England to coach a, an English soccer team, and just a really feel good show. So if you're looking for like a really funny feel good show, Ted Lasso on um, Apple TV. I think Matt gave that recommendation. If he did it, I am, and I'm just kind of co-signing him on it. It was really good, and I finished it last week. So by far the best show of 2020. It's like the show 2020 needed. I think I saw that in a quote somewhere. What a show. And it was just like every episode was like, you leave smiling. Like they have you smiling and it's really feel good. And, you know, even if you're not a a huge sports fan, I think it has something for everybody and uh, just a a really good show. So thanks for that recommendation from you. And I'm 
co-signing that recommendation. Yeah, and I don't know if you had given this recommendation uh, a couple of shows ago, and if you have, you know, I'll, I'm going to piggyback on that. But mortgage rates right now are at some of the lowest points they've ever been at. If you have a, a, a mortgage that you did two, three, five, six, seven years ago, or even longer, and you know your rate's above three, I would definitely highly consider looking into possibly refinancing, at least running the numbers, looking at what options you have to refi, because with as low as rates are, I can't imagine in the future you would ever refinance again. They just seem so low right now. Yeah, they are. That's a great recommendation and a great time to be looking into to refinancing. And they've just stayed so low. I mean, if you haven't you know, jumped on it from the beginning, now still a really good time to, to look into that. Yeah, every, every review that I'm doing with my clients, we're looking at this, either looking at the numbers, having that discussion, because mm-hmm. right now it seems like better than ever is a good time to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you did it two, three years ago, Absolutely. go do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have a client that did theirs in July and they're already looking at redoing it again because rates have come down so much just over the last three or four months. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, but, you know, do your homework, calculate the the savings, calculate the break-even points, make sure it makes sense before you do it. And also just make sure you know you're going to be staying in that home, you know? Yeah. It does take a, anywhere from four to seven years to break even, but if you are, great time and great recommendation. Yeah, and watch the cost on closing. I think that would be important too. Absolutely, yep. All right, so as advisors, we love really helping people. That's why we do it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us, please go to RPA Wealth, and on there you can just schedule a complimentary consultation with us. You can also download our eBooks on our website. If you'd like the show notes, please go to our retirementplanplaybook.com. We thank you as always for listening. And uh, if you have time, you know, feel free to go rate us on wherever you get in your podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.